1: Welcome to the podcast. This is episode twenty-nine. My name is Tim Mitchell, and I am in Toronto, Ontario. I'm joined once again by Jonathan Kuhlein in Mississauga, Ontario. How's it going? And on the line we have Jaime Lopez Junior from Seattle, Washington. How's it going? Alrighty then. So here we are once again. Um, another another short short track has gone by, so we have to you know, crank up the uh, podcast machine. We also had the finale for uh, Doctor Who too. Did you watch that Jaime yet? Have you seen that one yet? I have. I've, I'm completely caught up with season Ooh. or series eleven of Doctor Who. I think this is- it's called yeah is it 11 i don't know
2: now is it 11 Jonathan? Uh it is and now it's my time to feel shame i'm like five episodes behind so but you guys oh, can go ahead and talk man. about it i really don't mind being spoiled on that i'm uh all right okay. i'm gonna catch up and probably this weekend but i'm i'm woefully behind I, I did all my catching up on flash arrow and uh and supergirl this week so that i could watch
1: the uh, elseworlds crossover so that was where yeah. all my time oh. free time went well, we're just interested in Jaime's opinion from the point of view being a Hunubian. Yes. I forgot what you called yourself, Hunubian. Um, anyway, before we do get into that, I have some fact check. I don't know if you guys have any fact check, but I do.
2: I saw your fact check and agree and wholeheartedly endorse your fact check.
1: Alrighty then. So at 1528, um, I was mentioning uh, the guy who plays Fitch and the guy who played the first doctor. It's actually David Bradley. It's the guy who played Argus Filch on the Harry Potter series. And he also played William Hartnell, who was the first doctor on the original um, series. So he was playing William Hartnell in a show called An Adventure of Time and Space, which if you're interested Jaime, you should go back and watch that one. Um, it's basically a documentary about the making of Doctor Who, the first series anyway. Um, I also mentioned, I think I mentioned Steve Reeves as, as Superman on TV, but no, it was actually, the name of the gentleman was George Reeves. Steve Reeves was a different dude in sci- from sci-fi movies. But uh, yeah, so George Reeves played Superman on TV. That's who I remember, my, that was my Superman when I was a kid growing up, other than the guy in the comic books, right? And we also talked about um, the book uh, A Man on the Moon, which is written by Andrew Chaiken. I couldn't remember his name. Uh, that was the basis, if you've ever watched the the TV series by Ron Howard. No, by, um, oh, what's his name? Actor Forrest Gump. Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks, yes. He was one of the producers of From the Earth to the Moon. Um, yeah, that was a series, like a, I think eight, eight episode series about the, the getting the man from, you know, test flights to the moon. Um, but it was based on the book, man and the moon, which is the sort of the de facto facts and figures of, of the Apollo missions and Gemini's and Mercury's as well. And that ends the fact chip from what we have from what I caught of our foibles. So no, no, other than that, we were perfect. It was a good week. Was it a good week? Okay. Yeah. Good. All right. So, uh, why don't you dig into the headlines there, Jonathan? Well, we had a
2: a bunch of stuff to catch up on. Um, The biggest one for our Star Trek-focused audience is uh, we got news from CBS last week that uh, the Picard series, based on Captain Jean-Luc Picard uh, from Star Trek The Next Generation, is going to be coming in 2019. So we're going to see that uh, by the end of the year. Uh, This is exciting. We weren't sure what the timeline was, but apparently they've already gotten a writer's room together and they've already broken a bunch of episodes and they have a real sense of what they want to do and they expect to start filming soon. Uh, Bad news, they're not filming in Toronto like Discovery is uh, currently being filmed. They're filming it in California.
1: So, oh, so so do we have any idea what, like, actually we won't know the timeline until it comes out, but surely he's 20 years older than the last episode of The Next Generation.
2: Yeah, I, there was some speculation online when this announcement came out, it came out as part of um, CBS's um, uh, earnings report, I guess, this uh, last week or two. There was some discussion about where we left uh, Picard, because I guess the intention was that uh, the last Star Trek The Next Generation film in the theatres left us with a very uh, sort of strange place. Uh, We saw Data died. Um, Riker and Troy were headed off on their own ship. Uh, Worf was headed off on his own adventures back to uh, the the Deep Space Nine world. Um, So really, uh, Geordi LaForge and Picard are the only ones still left on the Enterprise. And so there was a real sort of what's going to happen next? Um, And there was talk that there was supposed to be a sort of movie that wrapped all that up and gave some closure to that sort of story but because the last movie was such a bomb nemesis was such a bomb they decided to stop that and go a different direction hence the uh the new J.J. Abrams Star Trek that appeared a few years later. So, of course, it's got to pick up 20 years later. Obviously, Patrick Stewart's 20 years older. The question is, uh, you know, we left him in this sort of bleak place where his whole sort of family of Star Trek has sort of dissipated. So, yeah, where do you guys think they're going to pick that up with, you know, are they going to bring the band back together, or does it just come back to the focus on Picard?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I if you've read some of the, you probably read some of the, the um, Star Trek novelizations, like from the Kirk. Mm-hmm timelines and stuff like that. And they used to, you know, he sort of became a, you know, not quite a rebel, but he was a sort of, I don't know, businessman or doing all kinds of weird trading and that kind of stuff. And not so much, you know, he now he wasn't restricted by the, the commandments of the Federation. He could go off and do sort of different kinds of things, right? So mm-hmm. I mean, maybe that's a sort of you know, like uh, uh, Emperor Georgiou kind of w- gets to run around and be this ex-Squad person in, in Discovery timeline, right? So, I don't know. It could be it could be interesting. Um, you know, it's hard to say. By the way, N- N- Nemesis, I, it, I was watching Nemesis the other day. I thought it was much better than Insurrection. I don't know about you, but, you know, I thought y- Insur- yeah, Insurrection was more like an episode of the It was a show, little right? familiar to,
2: and and the whole clone thing with Tom Hardy, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, what do you think? Of, what was
1: your remembrance of Nemesis? Well, I mean, I just literally watched like a couple like a weekend ago i think it was on tv um i watched bits of bits of it it was interesting but uh, it was very similar to the sort of kind of political plots that um i mean notwithstanding all the the, the mind melding and all that kind of stuff but I uh, and the mind games literally and figuratively but um i think i'm looking at um, troy but um mm-hmm. you know uh, the uh you know it's sort of the you know the the romulan sort of uprising and sort of you know, a political coup to try and take over and that kind of stuff i didn't i forgot how it ends but they they I think they run around. I just remember. Um, I think Data and Picard are, are flying a um, Romulan spaceship through the halls of the yeah of the ship. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that was a bit. That was a bit like uh, that was George Lucas could kind have of written that, that that plot line, but um, it was an interesting movie. I don't know. Um, it'd be interesting to see what they do. I mean, it could. Be, I mean, is it going to be sort of like you know Han Solo? The Solo movie was you know where sort of the adventures of Han before he you know joined up with Luke and Leia kind of thing. You know, just sort of being a you know well, risk taker and that kind I
2: of mean, stuff. Right? They they cast Patrick Stewart. Who is you know again? He's twenty years older. I don't think they can right. go backwards unless they do some flashbacks, which is certain, certainly could be on offer if they want to do a little more action-y stuff. Because I don't know how um, action-y the you know it's got to be in his late sixties, early seventies. Uh, Patrick Stewart is going to want to do um, yeah, that's true. But, but it's really I think I'm I'm pretty excited about it. Again, Star Trek has been looking backwards for the last decade. They've been looking at you know they did the rebooted the whole Star Trek film franchise with the new Kirk and Spock and. The Whole new enterprise. They went backwards even further still for discovery. This is the first chance we've had since the end of, I guess, Voyager, to see where the universe went forward.
1: Yeah, and but that, they have that, kind of painted us up in the corner because remember that remember that last episode of the Next Generation ends up with Picard on his vineyard, right? Or is, Are we meant to think that's a yeah? But then we too. also
2: that storyline that whole um, timeline got erased too. So oh, did it? It did. So oh. that was sort so of because he that's when the three the three Picards merge the timelines and then and then that timeline gets. Wiped out in its Q's lesson about, you know, here's how humans can evolve and, yeah. Right. Oh, okay. But, yeah. Now no, I'm confused. <laughs> it's going to be cool, I think. Like, I'm personally, I was all in on, uh, Next Generation, obviously. You know, it came out when I was 13. It was a big influence in my life as far as science fiction goes. Uh, I like those characters. And, you know, we did get some tastes. We saw, obviously, Worf came over and was on DS9. And there's been sort of, um, you know, continuing that same uh, timeline through Voyager. But then, yeah, it's. I mean, when did Voyager go off the air? Like, it's got to be 15 years ago, 16 years ago? Yeah, who knows? A long time ago. Uh, a long I time ago.
0: Maybe even longer, because I thought it was... Uh, Uh, Yeah, maybe late 90s. Yeah, the 2000s, yeah. Yeah, like like a good long
2: time ago. So that's a long gap for us to have not looked forward. The the cool thing about TNG was that when it picked up from where we left off in in the Star Trek movie universe, because that's where we had gotten to, you know, it was this leap forward in time. And, you know, again, we got eventually tastes of, you know, Smock was there and Scotty was there and Bones was there for the first episode even. Right, yeah, Um, yeah. This was the first time that we had sort of jumped forward And then we built this whole sort of, you know, three series, you know, 21 seasons of content in this timeline that had sort of spanned that. And then we just sort of walked away from it. And then they went backwards and did, um, what was that awful show called? Enterprise. And (laughs) then they canceled that. And then they've done the reboots. And then they've done Discovery. And they've never gone forward again. You know, I'm kind of excited about connecting again with that timeline and going forward. Because going forward, like, I honestly think, you know, as, as excited as I am about Picard, I would almost like another TNG, TNG To see where where the legacy of those characters left us that many years later, like what's the long term fallout of the Dominion War? What's the long term fallout of uh, you know Janeway and the crew's uh, foray into the Delta Quadrant? What's the long term uh, fallout of you know Nemesis and some of the events in there? Like how did that impact that universe? We've seen that in the expanded books and stuff like that, but I want to see it on my TV set. So it could be cool.
1: Yeah, well, look forward to it. I guess it's coming soon to a TV or streaming. Soon to some device near you.
2: Yeah, there you go, Jaime. You're stuck with your CBS All Access.
0: Yeah, it will be. So just take Discovery, the end of its episode run. You know, let's say it starts in January, so it's probably done if they don't have a mid-season break sometime in March-ish, and this comes in, let's say, late 2019. So let's say September, so they can get it into December. um Yeah, I, I would say it's probably come in like the September, the Q, you know, Q3 time frame.
1: So they'll call it Fear the Star, Fear the uh, Star Trek Discovery.
0: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but probably have short tricks you know short trick season two in between to get you through q2 that's
1: true yeah what's like the the clone wars the little cartoons they did on yeah all those all those and rebels right star wars rebels yep
2: and we talked about it they're they're
1: developing other star wars series too there's there's talk that they're doing more that you have the emperor
2: georgia series they talked about that now that doesn't sound like it's coming in 2019 but if they continue doing series of picard and discovery and then the georgia series you know we could be looking at you know not all year-round star trek again but close and that's pretty Pretty, right. pretty cool. All right. So what's next in your your headlines? Uh, a couple of movie news things that I thought were really interesting. So a uh, story out of uh, Warner Brothers DC that they are developing a movie based on Blue Beetle. Uh, Blue Beetle, for those who do not know, is a uh, character... That has been around for a long time. Uh, there was a character, there's a couple of different characters that have worn the costume of Blue Beetle, um, but the one that they're going to focus on is Jaime Reyes, who uh, is obviously a uh, Mexican-American character. And uh, has basically had this uh, suit that grants him incredible powers, ability to fly, and to interface with technology. Um, This is of note because Blue Beetle is, uh, as I said, a Mexican-American character. And coming off the heat that we got this year in uh, Black Panther, really opening up an audience in the United States in particular for for Black uh, comic book character. Now we're seeing some of the knock-on of that. So we're seeing it in a movie. Development with uh, Mexican American characters to appeal to Latino people and hopefully everyone else. And spinning out of that, Marvel has announced at the same time that they're developing a uh, film on the character Shang-Chi, who is uh, the master of Kung Fu, very famous 1970s popular comic book series. Uh, developed first, there's their first Asian-led uh, film, and they've hired a writer and they're developing that. And so, again, I think the knock-on is you know, it was sad how revelatory it was that there was this big audience waiting for, like there was for women for Wonder Woman and, you know, African-Americans waiting for uh, Black Panther. They're suddenly waking up and realizing that there's a huge number of, you know, people who are underserved in representation in movies. And so they're going to have an Asian starring character and they're going to have a Latino starring character. It's great. It's great that we're getting that. Um, It's also, you know, it does smack of, you know, yeah, did it just occur to you that all these people were there and that they want to go see movies that are representative of themselves? But, yeah, but, yeah. but exciting nonetheless. Um, you know, I like Blue Beals, a fun character. I've enjoyed, um, seeing that character unfold over the last, you know, it's probably been about 12 years since that character was developed. Um, and Shang-Chi's a, again a very famous, um, 1970s popular character, some really good runs in there. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how those go. Um, um, so I, I must admit, I'm curious, Jaime, you're obviously, uh, uh, heritage speaks to the Blue Beetle experience. Do you have any thoughts on, uh, seeing that kind of representation in a lead of a movie?
0: Yeah. It, it's even seems like they were trying to get suspiciously close to making it perfect for me because, well, one sharing the same first name, um, <laughs> and he, he also lives in my hometown of El Paso, Texas, which is mind blowing to me that, that, you know, it's usually, wow. uh, you know, New York or, uh, Gotham as a surrogate, or Chicago, or Toronto, or something. Um, couldn't believe that uh, that was the case. um But yeah, I, I did read some of the series. I think I stopped around the time that Amazon bought Comicsology and it became a real hassle to have account stuff. Mm-hmm. um So I do need to jump back into it. But it does strike me as a, a really nice opportunity to do some fun things where the Blue Beetle is sort of, or that iteration of Blue Beetle is sort of Green Lantern mixed yeah. with Iron Man. It's a aspects. perfect analogy. Absolutely. Mm so hopefully they can they can do it some some justice there and and as you mentioned there it's it's great to have the representation out there where uh it wasn't even like black panther like beat you over the head with it being uh, an african and african-american movie it was just sort of like well yeah like this is where they're at they're in the continent of africa so this is just the way things are
1: yeah sure cool
0: uh
2: next well uh some sad news uh netflix has canceled yet another of their marvel series uh let's see you know, Raise a Glass, to The Demise of Daredevil, which mm-hmm. by all appearances was the most viewed, most popular of the shows that they've had on since they started doing these Marvel uh, shows in conjunction with Netflix. The motivation for the cancellation is one of those depends who you believe. You know, uh, Netflix put out a very nice press release that basically said, you know, uh, that's it, so so long, farewell, thank you for your service, three seasons, and, and you know, it just wasn't, you Know, wasn't worth doing anymore uh obviously we talked about this in regards to uh the demise of luke cage and iron fist as series that uh perhaps there's some hard feelings over the fact that disney in 2019 will be launching its disney plus service which will be loaded oh, full I of see. marvel content and since netflix will be a direct competitor of that that netflix is divesting itself of these uh characters
1: really huh. which is what is it disney own the characters or something or?
2: disney owns the characters. Um, Um, I I don't know the details of the partnership that they had with Netflix as far as the exclusivity of, uh, you know, if this is another situation like they got wrapped into with Fox where, you know, we give you a whole pile of characters that you can use. Or I know that Marvel actually produced those shows and Netflix was the platform. Um, Right. So I don't know if this means that if Marvel wanted to resurrect them uh, on a different platform. Now, they've already said that they will not do R-rated content on Disney. Plus. Mm-hmm. So they'd have to be cleaned up if they wanted to revive them on Disney Plus. However, part of this partnership uh, partnership purchase, part of this purchase of uh, the assets from Fox includes another uh, huge stake in Hulu. So Disney will have a controlling stake in mm. Hulu. And Hulu has no such restrictions. They already broadcast shows like uh, Runaways, which is a Disney property. So they could, if they had the wherewithal, Uh, develop future seasons there. However, if past seasons are only allowed on Netflix, then I'm not sure they'd be interested in doing that. So it sounds like, for all intents and purposes, uh, three series are dead, and uh, they've already said they're not doing more Defenders, so that's four. The only two that remain are Jessica Jones and The Punisher, which are being developed right now for season three for Jessica Jones and season uh, two for The Punisher. And I think we can pretty much expect that those will be the last seasons of those shows.
1: Right, right. That's too bad.
2: Yeah, it, it is. And, and you know i think on one hand i think some of us you know i don't know if you guys share the same opinion I, the shows were getting a little uh they felt like the you know multiple they were doing what 12 14 episodes a season they were a little bloated um and it felt like they were coming a little too fast and furious along with the world of ever changing content but um but they were there was some really good storytelling in there and some really cool stuff right. that, that daredevil series was
1: fantastic it was the closest yeah i hadn't watched that one i, I mean i had watched the iron Fist or Luke Cage either, but kind uh, yeah. of to at some point. Yeah, oh, well, yeah.
2: Bad. Daredevil was bang on. It was it was the one of the truer presentations of you know the character. You know, it was grounded. It was real. The characters had depth. Um, they let not just the lead, but a lot of characters have some time. Um, you know, amazing villain they created in in the Kingpin, um, who was you know uh, Wilson Fisk, Fisk was really really amazing in that. So yeah, it's uh, you know i am I P. I'm I'm gonna miss that. series. And I'm disappointed and I'm disappointed that it seems like this whole, uh, Marvel Netflix partnership is, uh, is doomed to end. Right. Right. All right. Uh, following up on last week or last week, last episode, um, mm-hmm. we had talked about the fact that the, uh, chilling adventures of Sabrina had been sued, uh, the producers for, uh, for the use of some imagery belonging to the satanic temple. Uh, the good news, they have settled their... Uh, issues, uh, apparently they were using images of, um, The goat-headed baffle met on the show, and the Static Temple was uh, upset that they had been portrayed, but apparently they they had filed a lawsuit, and the lawsuit has been amicably settled. So, it does not sound like there will be uh, any further repercussions. It doesn't say uh, what the details are, so I don't know, having not seen that portion of the series yet, I don't know if there's something that they have changed or will change for future presentations, or if it's something they're going to change going forward. But either way, they're out of the hot water with the Satanists.
1: Yeah, it's amazing what you can do with a little frankincense, myrrh, and gold. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Um, enough of that. Uh, yeah. So what's next? Oh, I mean, you got one here.
0: Yeah. If you were worried about not having enough Marvel content, let um, me prove you wrong um, or make you feel better. So apparently there is a sequel in the works for Doctor Strange. No, no, not he's dead.
1: Yeah, he <laughs> dusted. Spoil- he's spoilers dusted. For, for Avengers Infinity War. which was... But is he dead, Jonathan? Is he really dead? <laughs> de- are they really dead? Or are they just dematerialize and they're going to appear on a transporter bay somewhere?
2: You're our singer. Can you sing Dust in the Wind? For for us
1: yeah <laughs> all they are is <laughs> dust in the
0: wind yep sorry i but yeah apparently um when he's not voicing the grinch in animated films uh benedict cumberbatch will be making his return as dr strange
1: so the sequel there yeah, that's cool so it's gonna fit in between somewhere or i, I don't know jump would, out of the
0: ashtrays and stuff i don't know <laughs> if it'll be in between per se um just considering that captain marvel is coming out and right after that is uh the sequel to avengers infinity war i have to imagine and that this is post, what do they call it? Phase 3, I think they were calling. Um,
1: yeah, I guess this is Phase 4. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm surprised none of you guys put the Marvel uh, the trailer in the, this, the show today, or did you? Um, oh, oh, yeah, you did. I think I think sure they they did, put right. it in the main. All right. Yeah, we just
0: got so much content that it's hard to hey. see. Yeah, well, let's,
1: let's rip through this stuff so we can get to the main, because we're running out of time. Yeah, uh, so there's that. Uh, the next one we have on the list
0: here is um, the Sonic the Hedgehog fan base going insane, because Paramount has given us a teaser trailer, and folks have many opinions about the way that they've decided to render Sonic. He is shown in, um, in silhouette here. Uh, yeah. Apparently, there is some context here that makes it make a little bit more sense. Uh, this this Sonic looks a little bit more uh, realistic, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. And apparently, the context is Sonic will be in the real world with humans in some way, kind of similar, similar to some of the 3D games. So I think that's like the Smurf movie, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> Sadly, that's like the I can best confirm route. that. Yes, wouldn't say that's the best route to take. I think. They should just do like a fully animated movie, just like you know, Incredibles yeah. or similar type ones. But oh, true. Okay. If they're going to go this way, I'll, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. But um, it could very easily turn into like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles more recent films. They look kind of weird and grotesque in the real okay. world. Yeah. Right. Right. Speaking of monstrous things, um, there's a new trailer out there for Godzilla King of the Monsters. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this one stars. Uh, Millie Bobby Brown you might know her from Stranger Things. She plays the character Eleven. She's gonna be in this film. It's uh it looks a lot like the other I could swear there's a previous thing Godzilla movie called Godzilla King of the Monsters, which involves fighting Rodan, uh King King Ghidorah, and yeah. Mothra. So yeah maybe I, that,
2: that really rings a bell for me too, but I again I'm not an aficionado. I, I'm a casual Godzilla fan. Um is, is this tied the movie tied to the Brian Cranston reboot thing they did a few years ago? Is this the second
0: of those or I I think so, because this trailer mentions the fact that like, they've been living with Godzilla as a moving natural disaster you know, for the past, like, five years. I forget how long they say it's been. Really, wow. Yeah. Hmm. And
2: Interesting. Are, have you watched it? Are you excited?
0: I, I've seen the trailer. The trailer looks exciting. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Do you think it's at all necessary? I mean, oh, come on. I, it's a
1: monster movie. It's a bucket <laughs> of popcorn. Yeah.
0: And- <laughs> it, it definitely fits into that sweet spot of you, you have to watch this in the theaters. Otherwise, you're going to lose about 50% of the, the value out of it. Hang on i'd like to back up for a second tim was just defending monster smash
1: them up movies which jaime and i are both avowed lovers of i was and reminding i was reminding jaime of his bucket of, big bucket of popcorn and his big gulp and, and oh okay
2: i thought you were advocating watched, for that because i know no, you, you no, no, didn't no, like, like pacific
1: this rim and jaime are both uh, are both on uh, board for that one yeah, so yeah 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 so right you still haven't watched um uh, the Tom Hanks movie with um, Emily Blunt because it's got Tom, not Tom Hanks, Tom, Tom Cruise because yeah. it's got Tom Cruise in it. Yeah, well, you know? no movie should have Tom Cruise in it. That's just wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jaime, bucket of popcorn, big gulp, and and watch Monster Smash stuff? for what?
0: Yeah, th- that will actually be a theme to this episode. Uh, we'll we'll loop that in later, especially because you brought up Pacific Rim. Um, but right. moving along, we can all uh, we can all marvel at the new Captain Marvel trailer that shows Ooh, it us looks more good.
1: Yeah. of uh, of the character and and how it. So he's not. Not dusted she oh captain marvel oh yes right her yes the one that's going to come along and yeah never mind yeah it's very
0: it's very confusing because there are many characters with very very similar names and there has been more than one captain marvel in comics continuity
1: that's true yeah in this
0: separate is... universes and on top of
1: that wait how many captain canadas have there been though captain canada zero captain canuck there's been captain one all right okay. uh, yeah so not very many yeah um and then we had guardian guardian was
2: sort of our uh other very patriotic and hero. and um uh uh, from um what's his name from uh logan that's right wolverine absolutely and we even had a character named sasquatch so
1: there you go did you okay well wow, it's true yeah, yeah sorry hi May. back to you and captain marvel i mean
0: it comes out the movie itself comes out on uh, march 8th 2019 Alrighty then jonathan do you have uh, thoughts that sound like you wanted to say
2: oh i'm just i'm i'm stoked i'm i'm a fan of the character i'm a, fa- a fan of the carol danvers character that uh that they've adopted into this uh, i'm glad that they're pushing forward it's about damn time marvel got uh it's Act together and uh, and had a female-led film. I mean, kudos DC, you 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 beat them to something um, with the Wonder Woman character leading a movie. Um, You know, it's it's long overdue for a uh, franchise, for a series of films like the Marvel films, and have who have to their credit had some nice strong female character moments. Uh, But it's about time that one of them was the star of the show.
1: Cool. All right, that's your cue. Jaime,
0: next. Sorry, I was thinking of a witty (laughs) way. I was like, we will Bebop our way. No, I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't think of a way to transition that seamlessly. Man. So what I will all say right. is that uh, more Netflix-related stuff. Um, Netflix is going to make a live-action uh, remake, I guess we'll call it, of Cowboy Bebop, the sort of uh, landmark seminal yeah. um, uh, anime, Japanese animation, based on uh, a series that was one season, I want to say about 20-ish episodes, and it's all about this group, this ragtag group of bounty hunters. And it's hard to say more without giving away stuff. But if you take the link in the show notes, so as you drive it home, you'll say, oh, yeah, I know those characters. I've seen tons of people uh, with the gear over at conventions or I've seen people dressed as them, that sort of thing. Right. Okay.
2: Are you a fan enough to to take the jump and and watch the live action?
0: I could do that. Um, I was going to watch the uh, Death Note one on Netflix and then was told by many people, don't bother. (laughs) and Never did. Mm. What do you think
1: about the trend? of making live-action versions of these things. Yeah, yeah, because it's an art form, right? It's not, it's, not, it's not as simple as just making them into live-action people. Yeah, I mean, right?
2: they're, they're doing that now with the Disney movies too, right? They're, they're taking the classic 1930s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s Disney movies and 80s, 90s at that uh, and turning them into live-action movies. You know, Dumbo is coming out next year. Um, it seems to be that they feel like technology has sort of hit the point where, you know, they can do the best of both worlds. I disagree, D- you know, in some cases, as you say, it's an art, you know, and in particularly anime. Anime is a specific art form. Um, you, you lose something, I think, in the translation. There's a lot. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think it's like, I, I think something like the Lion King is probably, with Disney's Lion King, is probably a little bit more reasonable. To do. It's not even technically live action because it's it's all CGI, as far as I know. Unlike Sonic the Hedgehog, they won't have people involved in
1: any way. Um, <laughs> but but by I think token, so if you take something like Jungle Book, right, which I saw when I was a kid, I've always liked Jungle Book and the story and all that kind of stuff. In fact, my dad's name was Balu and his family, right? Um, but then when they made the 3D or the 3D, the live action version with an actual bear and an actual jaguar, I mean, that just doesn't work for me. They were much better as, as two-dimensional animated cartoons, you know, like King Louie and all that kind of stuff, right? But um, I don't know. I think, I think making things into l- live action just because you can is not a reason to do it. Well, it makes you wonder where that trend ends. I mean, they've gone backwards and then done recent stuff, like uh, they're doing
2: an Aladdin remake they've done Beauty and the Beast, they've done some of the contemporary Disney works are now being brought to live action. Which with, were
1: all, most of those stories were actual fairy tales from of course. even before yeah. Disney, right? Yeah, so. yeah, of
2: course. Um, it makes you wonder sort of where that ends. Are they going to go back and do pretty much everything they've ever done in this new form? And, uh, yeah, I'm not sure, you know, like, do we need to see? And like, and again, I'm not looking forward to the live action version of uh, Toy Story or, you know, Incredibles. No. Like, think of the, the amazing work that that is as far as the landmarks in in digital animation to right, yeah. to turn that into a live action because money it doesn't sit well yeah because money which uh, to be fair I, that's what I when I saw Cowboy Bebop and, and then some of the other news that Jaime's got for us today about uh, anime projects I just kept thinking well some, somebody somebody must have brought a lot of money to the table on this stuff
1: but I was, was going to bring up Ghost in the Shell in r- relation to this Cowboy Bebop thing but I think a couple of stories later we're going to talk about that but because um, I mean I even I couldn't even make it through the first twenty minutes of of ghost in the shell myself and I've never even seen the anime right it just it just didn't work for me at all
2: ghost in the shell know? is a terrible movie but it's a brilliant anime it's really cool
1: yeah, that's what I mean it's like like why like yeah it's like let's make a live-action Last Supper because well, we can you know
2: well and they've been talking no. about doing Akira for <laughs> I how like how long have they been talking about turning Akira which is like one of the seminal works of anime yeah, yeah. uh into a live-action movie and everybody in Hollywood who was a kid in the 1980s wants to turn that into a, a live-action movie and you know, like, leave it alone. It's amazing.
1: What's that? I mean, that's the same thing with uh, the, what was the uh, Ready Player One it was a great book. And, and I'm not sure that I'm convinced that it was a great movie. It was a good movie. It was a great book. Yeah, for sure. Well, by the same token, so was Lord of the Rings and all that.
2: Yeah. I mean, name the movie that's better than the book.
1: Does it have Tom Cruise in it?
0: <laughs> <laughs> movie better than the book. Um, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question. Well, to come back to I would, I would guess that maybe Godfather or Godfather 2, but I've not read the book, mm-hmm. so I can't definitively Ooh, yeah. say.
2: Then, but they were fun. again, Jaws is, you know, again, there, there are some out there, right? But again, that was a hit book. They became a hit movie. Like, there are, I'm sure, somewhere... So Jaws there,
1: was a book before it was a movie? It was. Peter Benchley. yeah. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, I'll throw the gauntlet down on that one. We don't have to all answer right away. I mean We can d- bring that one back for our next uh, uh, pod, but yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to get those comparisons right and it just like remakes and reboots and you know so many you know different things I mean they'll they'll find an the audience and I think maybe it's also time for all three of us to accept that not all of this stuff is for us um, you that's know true. That's it, true. it's for a next generation of people who maybe didn't get the exposure or weren't around when cowboy or don't know
1: what a book is yeah.
2: yeah or or that's to, absolutely legitimately fair it's funny because uh, my uh, eldest son 15 years old uh, he hasn't read I would say a lot of novels read ready player one loved it um and yet he is also uh, is one of the loudest advocates for the book was way better than the movie but when you say that about other things he's like ah, i don't want to read the book i just want to watch
1: the movie you know what I, I don't think i read books till i was in my 20s anyway so yeah so I, I can see where he's coming from there's too much going on in high school and whatever right well and they're forcing you to read a lot of stuff that you, you know, wouldn't you necessarily yeah yeah so exactly you yeah. Know, yeah all right honey what's next
0: running in the opposite direction of what we were just <laughs> talking about <laughs> Is the announcement that uh, Adult Swim and Crunchyroll are teaming up to make an anime series out of Blade Runner, mm-hmm. or in the universe, I should say, because Blade, money, right? Good, <laughs> yeah, because <yeah>, money. <laughs> Blade Runner Black Lotus is what it will be called. So we'll I, see I can how see that goes. It working,
2: I can see it working. You know, I don't think it, I, there are worse things that could be turned in from, the, from that way one to, way to Men the in other. Black, yeah, yeah, sure. I, I'd give that a roll, especially yeah. because, especially if they build on that sort of where we left off at the end of twenty forty nine where we've got a sort of universe to play in. I think that's one of those wide-open universes where, you know, you don't have to focus on Deckard and K and stuff. You could really tell right, yeah. completely separate stories, like the, mate the you know, the, the Unimatrix, the Matrix stuff. You could go a lot of places in those universes and be fine knowing what the universe is as the ground rules, and then just telling good stories. So I I, I think the anime could work really well.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a very 70s thing to do, too. Like, a, a movie becomes successful, and then they turn it into a Saturday morning cartoon, you know. it's happened to all the time time yeah you know, droids, and what was the other one? Droids and Ewoks? Ewoks, Ewoks and droids. Ooh, yeah. well,
2: let's not use those as emblematic of good things that happened. No, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm,
1: I'm using them as just perfect examples of like how they cheapened something that was really cool into something that was mediocrely okay, you know? Yeah. But, but okay in their own right. I mean, they stand alone as pieces. I mean, well, even even the Star Trek uh, animated s- series that right? yep. was on TV, right? It was it was like the, sh- like the TV show, but and it had the same sort of ethos, but it didn't quite match up. But I enjoyed it because it was a cartoon and I was a kid.
2: Well, and to be fair, you know, like as kids were, you know, and even as adults now, you know, like I want more of what I want, you know, like when at a certain point, there's obviously a limit. And we're in a world where content is being just jammed down our throats, throats, but we also get, you know, when CW says, hey, guess what? We're doing yet another DC property. Part of me is like, oh God, now I have something else I have to watch, but I have to watch it because I want to watch it because I'm so thankful for the fact that they are doing it. Right, right you know if somebody had told me by the way they're going to be doing a black lightning tv show uh that you can watch for nothing you know when you're in your 40s i would be like you bouncing off the walls with excitement so you know i'm not going to be and it's good tv it's you know it's well acted it's well written it's you know it's well made you know it, i can't believe that we're in a world where that kind of stuff happens and that you know right that the weirdest part is that like yeah my mom might know who some of these characters are because they exist in the zeitgeist now like that that's mm-hmm, not mm-hmm. where i was when i was a boy so I'm excited about that, and I'm not going to begrudge any of that creation. So I'm, I'll take it if they want to keep adding layers, you know, TV shows,
1: anime, cartoons, whatever to the to the pile. So I guess we'll wait and see if they do the live action Peppa Pig movie, right?
2: <laughs> oh, mark my words, they're doing a live action Dora movie, Dora the Explorer. No way! <laughs> oh yes, they are, and they're doing a live action Kim Possible movie too.
1: So well, there you go.
2: You know, mark my words, all that stuff will be eventually spun around. There will be, I'm sure, the weirdly inappropriate just like we're talking about sonic the hedgehog there'll be a weirdly inappropriately half human spongebob squarepants or uh you know name the weird cartoon that your kids liked in the last decade and it'll come around it'll all come around Ren and stimpy oh well ren and stimpy has some other issues i don't know if anybody's followed that (laughs) one but yeah there's there's you know There's some stuff that, you know, people will, if they they know that people are feeling nostalgic, again, why do you think they made those Smurfs movies? I'll tell you, having seen them in the theater because my kids were small, they are the worst. They are so (laughs) epically awful. And yet they made big money and people came and my kids thought they were fantastic and... I don't get it, but it it worked. So, well, if there's money, they will come.
1: Right, right. If there's money, they will build it. So, speaking of um, anime and live action and stuff,
0: yeah. I mean, speaking of more more money, um, I think they were
1: quite disappointed
0: with uh, the Ghost in the Shell Scarlett Johansson live action movie, as Tim mentioned earlier. So they're going back to the roots. With Ghost in the Shell, SAC underscore 2045, which will be uh, animated, but not, not in the traditional 2D animation. The image that they've given out as the teaser of uh, of the major, is uh, it looks like it's that uh, cell-shaded style of 3D oh. animation. Hmm. And that gives you the sort of the look of 2D animation, but is actually done with 3D animation. Oh, really cool. That would be uh, Netflix. Just like I probably should mention that. Well, that'll be a nice palette cleanser. Mm-hmm. And next... Yeah, the the big bombshell as far as uh, anime properties go with regards to Netflix is uh, that the nineteen uh, nineties huge sort of masterpiece that everybody still references to this day, Neon Genesis Evangelion, is heading to Netflix coming in the spring. So it'll be all 26 episodes as well as the films that uh, that don't include the uh, rebuild of Evangelion films. And uh, this will be interesting because I think it will be something that people who are watching modern anime should watch and see where a lot of the, the tropes might come from. And if you have no clue what's going on, you've probably heard me mention that Pacific Rim is essentially live-action American Evangelion. Yeah, So that gives you a Uh-oh. sense. Uh, except the uh, Pacific Rim doesn't really have all the psychological nuttiness that goes on in Evangelion, and if you've ever seen any of the merchandise, I think just like Monica Magica, the merchandise gives you a completely different impression as to what the show is like. And I think you really should go check it out. It, it'll be essentially free on Netflix, and it's totally worth it because it is um, a masterpiece of its time for sure.
1: Cool, cool. All right, okay. And then, so my my, I only have one thing on the headline here, and this is this is a very important message from Tom Cruise, Jonathan's favorite actor in the whole world, <laughs> um, right up there with Glenn Close and uh, Meryl Streep. Um, I like Meryl Streep. Well, yeah, that's true. Shirley MacLaine. Shirley
2: MacLaine's got to go. Shirley
1: MacLaine. Okay, right, right, right. Um, apparently, Tom Cruise wants his a PSA, put out a PSA, I guess a couple of weeks ago, and, and there have been all kinds of jokes about it on on the, the interwebs, but apparently you're watching your television wrong, Jonathan. I don't know if you know that or not, but if you have like a 4K TV, apparently um, the manufacturers have built in image uh, stabilization or interpolation that it ruins some of these special effects that tom cruise has put into his movies for you to watch so he's got this bsa about how to go in and turn off the default setting which is to use the uh, image interpolation or view interpolation so the jury's out. I have not actually gone into my TV to see if it makes any difference, but he doesn't want us to watch his Jonathan. He doesn't want you to watch his new movie without turning off your image interpolate video interpolation on your your high four K TV. So well, I have some I don't good think news in for you, Mr. Cruz.
2: The chances <laughs> of my watching your new movie in any way, shape, or form are very slim. So therefore, I will not watch it. Wrong. Uh, yeah, so it's it, it, it is interesting because you know uh, you know these are pretty interesting pieces of technology that we've got in our living rooms now and you know I, I know i've gone into the settings and it's like you know i feel like i should have brought a machete and a guide because the it, there's a, so many different yeah, things deep you can into do the weeds yeah 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 so uh, you know i don't want to give mr cruz credit for you know shining the spotlight on this but i suppose i ought that you know yeah i guess it's good that he's sort of calling that attention that hopefully uh, obviously he's doing it in a very self-serving way um True. but yeah. at the same time
1: you know maybe he's right maybe it's worth going in and messing around who knows who knows anyway well, We'll move on to the main part the main meat of the show um hi you have something here about uh, the avengers for us
0: yes we have the new trailer that gives us the name of the sequel to avengers infinity war it will be avengers endgame um and if you thought the uh, the ending of uh, infinity war wasn't quite happy enough well let me tell you <laughs> this continues that same cheerful mood right into this trailer uh, it doesn't really display a whole lot about what's going on it, it seems to um i've not seen Ant-Man and the Wasp, but it seems to continue on from that point as well. So definitely mm-hmm. got to go check
1: mm-hmm. that one out and see how it plays
0: into things. Um, hard to say more without really uh, giving away
1: too much from the trailer. True, And this is Good. the third movie, right? Because like, I heard there was three movies, and this is the third one, right? Of the Avengers trilogy or whatever? Uh, I thought, well, m- this is the, the fourth, fourth Avengers movie. There was Avengers, well, I thought, I thought, I thought Stage I of there was Ultron, about and... a third, were we expecting this sort of gauntlet thing to be sort of a three-parter somehow?
2: Uh, well, I think Captain well, Marvel is that. sort of the bridge, but no, I think this is just a, It's two, two sort of parts to it, um, and that'll mark the end of the, the phase that they're in, and uh, then they have gone out of their way not to say what is next. Um, it's funny because we've actually gotten into a place now where there's usually three Marvel movies a year. Um, right. This year would be Black Panther, Avengers, and Ant-Man and the Wasp. Next year, there's only two movies on the slate. It's Captain Marvel, as Jaime pointed out, is in March, and then um Avengers Endgame is, has been moved up in North America, so it is now the last week of uh, April, I think they said. Really? Wow. That's pretty quick. Pretty soon. So, yeah. So, you know, they're, they're planning on owning the box office for a good, you know, two-month stretch. Um, yeah, so they they haven't gone out of the way. I'm, yeah, we know, Jaime mentioned it earlier, there's a, there's a Doctor Strange. We know for a fact that they're producing a new Spider-Man movie. Um, you're out of your mind if you think they aren't making Black Panther Part Two. There's a bunch of stuff in the pipeline um, to to come, but they've been very explicit in not saying what and when and what order um, and sort of what happens next, because I think they like the idea of holding on to that mystery of who's really dead uh, versus who, you know, will be resurrected from a pile of dust on the floor. Really? Uh, so they want you to fret for a while and worry and go on discussion boards online and take to the tweeter and start talking about, you know, who how you're worried that, oh, my God, they killed Black Panther. He's dead forever, which, come on. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see when they decide to do that, if they do that before Avengers Endgame or if they wait till then and then there's another movie coming next year or if that, that's all we're going to get for 2019 and then we... Come back strong in 2020 with a, a full slate of, of uh, Marvel movies again. Um, do we want to talk about the, the trailer at all? I assume you guys watched.
1: I've watched it. Oh, probably a good half, it. half dozen times already. I watched it. The f- I only watched it once, and only for I was in a busy room, and I only watched like the first bit of it. They all seem to be very sad. That's all I kind of got from it.
2: Yeah, that that seemed to be the overarching theme. That uh, you know, we rejoin Iron Man. He's in a bad place. We rejoin the rest of the Avengers on Earth. They're in a bad place. Uh, a lot of people are dead. Um, and you know what happens next. And it sort of leaves us with you know uh, a taste of tying into the most recent Marvel movie, which was Ant Man and the Wasp that uh, Ant-Man will have a role in there, and we saw that uh, Hawkeye has a role in there. Although, for those of us who are comic readers, we know that that's not Hawkeye. Oh, really? But in fact... Or or is it? A different alias that he'd be using in Avengers Endgame. Ooh. Uh, Using the costume that he's wearing in that trailer is his Ronin costume, which is a character that he adopted, uh, which is a masked character that he adopted when he joined the new Avengers in the comic books because he did not want the fact that it was Clint Barton out there. Uh, He wanted to be undercover, and if you think about the way that uh, they left things with him wanting to uh, basically retire so that he could protect his family as part of the Sokovia Accords in the movies, um, Hawkeye would have to no longer exist, right? Because if he goes out there in his regular uh, purple costume with his mask, no mask on, because he doesn't wear a mask, uh, everyone would be like, yep, there's Hawkeye. Get that guy and handcuffs and put him in the back of the squad car. Whereas if he's Ronin and takes on this new character, he can wear a mask, he can hide, and he can go back to being a hero again. Um, so that's cool. I'm excited that that's uh, that's a, a, a step forward in an evolution for a character that's kind of gotten paced a little bit for being, you know, a Robin Hood in a world full of, you know, giant super-powered beings. Who, hmm. gods and monsters, yep. Yeah, exactly. You know, again, he has that line himself where he's like, you know, they're giant robots trying to tear a city apart and... Rip it into the sky, and I've got a bow and arrow. None of this makes sense. Um, right. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, lots of little tastes in there. You know, we saw the taste of Ant Man, we saw the taste of Hawkeye. We got you know uh, a look at sort of where the Avengers are. Uh, you know, the core group is still alive. Obviously, the movie's going to focus a lot on that core group. Um, you know, we're left to still. It was a real teaser trailer, so we're left to really sort of still wait and find out if there's you know much as far as plot they're going to release beforehand. You know, they played Infinity War pretty close to the vest. And they know they're in the bag for this. This is a two billion dollar picture every day of the week. It's gonna be the biggest movie of 2019, hands down. Uh, they right. don't. They didn't even have to give you this teaser if you, they didn't want to. Right. Right. You know, this was Disney Marvel's uh, Christmas gift to you. Happy holidays. Uh, I hope you enjoyed your, you know, two minutes of uh, of a taste that really didn't tell you a lot other than yeah, things are in a grim place. Um, but yeah, it's exciting. I'm. Excited. I can't. I, again, I watched it. Over over and over again trying to sort of dissect little moments and see if I could make something of it but they were deliberately uh, obtuse and you know other than making me think oh my god why isn't it April yet Uh, (laughs) yeah and and it did make me think awfully hard about you know what else is on the slate and what's going to happen next and where do they go next and which movie will they do first after this and you know, uh, obviously they killed off, uh, you know, spoilers if you haven't seen Avengers Infinity War yet and how on earth have you been that person all this time? Um, but, you know, they killed off a lot of characters, very popular characters, Black Panther, Spider-Man, um, the entire Guardians of the Galaxy with the exception of two. It really will be interesting to see how they order those things to get people back onto that, you know, hey, remember how sad you were? Look how excited you are to get those characters back. Are they going to jump right back in? In with a spider-man a doctor strange a black panther you know we know that guardians is having a little bit of an issue now finding a new director and a creative direction but you know there are you know easily 10 movies that are on, on in the pipeline plus we know that they're bringing you know big stuff forward like uh, eternals is something that they're developing now which is a, a 1970s very popular 1970s series also redone uh within the last decade by neil gaiman um for marvel so that there's you know a lot Lot of stuff coming down the line and uh you know end game will mark the end of a huge era there's rumors they may really kill more characters there's rumors that they may retire some characters because certain actors are making exorbitant amounts of money on each one of these projects although if you're going to make 2 billion dollars on a picture can you not afford to break off the you know whatever it is 80 million that you have to pay Robert Downey Jr per picture now
1: but still yeah it's, it's yeah. pretty exciting mhm all right looking forward to it hi what do you got uh, who's got the CDU, DCU thing
2: I I put that in there. Um, I don't know if we want to get into it. I know you mentioned you hadn't uh, watched the entire uh, Elseworlds crossover. Um, Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, again, spoilers if you haven't watched the Elseworlds crossover. Uh, In Canada, you're forgiven for not having seen it yet, considering they screwed up the order so badly for us um so once again here's my soapbox before we get started so the way that they organized things was in order to uh make up for this weird schedule so we've got three different channels showing showing the three different shows here so unlike the united states where cw 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 on sunday monday tuesday here we were supposed to get uh uh, so Sunday night was The Flash, was the first part of Elseworlds, crossover, with all the CW series. Uh, Monday was Arrow, and Tuesday was the conclusion in Supergirl. Not their normal nights, they rejigged things. Okay, here we got nothing on Sunday night. On Monday, we got Arrow, which was part two, with no part one. And then on Tuesday, Netflix published Flash, and later that night, Supergirl went up on Showcase. Right, right. So for those scoring at home, you could watch them in the order of two, one, three three, but only if you got home early enough in the day to watch one before you watched three. Um, what a stupid, 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 stupid thing to do. Uh, I, again, I can't express how frustrating it is as a fan. Um, it's bad enough now that Flash is always two days after whatever it airs in the United States, which again is you know, ridiculous, incredibly stupid. Um, but the fact that they did that during this crossover series, when everybody on every nerdy geeky blog was talking about. Elseworlds is extremely frustrating. Right, but, right, can imagine. That's now over with. So let's focus on the positives. The positives are it was an interesting crossover. Again, I won't spoil things for Tim, but um suffice to say that the story ends with a teaser for what they very very blatantly labeled as coming next year in fall 2019, Crisis on Infinite Earths, which is for those who are not aware, one of the landmark cross- Crossover series in the history of comic books. Uh, the idea was that uh, in the mid 1980s, DC Comics continuity or its combination of characters was so incredibly complicated and fragmented that they made a decision to try and find a way to streamline things. There was, you know, all these different versions from all these different comics that had existed for the previous uh, 50 plus years of comic books that people uh, didn't know which. Superman was witch and there was an Earth 1 and an Earth 2 and an Earth 64 and an Earth 65. They had all these different versions where, you know, one of them Batman was married to Catwoman and their daughter was the Huntress and then one Batman was a young man and how could he possibly have had a kid and there was versions of Superman where Superman had grey hair and some of them where he was a super boy and how could those things all work in the same universe. So Crisis on Infinite Earths was this great crossover series written by Marv Wolfman, drawn by George Perez. Um, an unbelievable work where they took all 50 years of DC continuity and created this whole huge storyline where basically, in order to save the universe from Annihilation, the multiverse from Annihilation, the Earths all had to be basically boiled down to one. And the idea was that then, from then on there was one Flash, one Superman, one character of each character. All the complicated backstories were gone. They rebooted a whole bunch of classic series, including Superman and uh, Wonder Woman and The Flash and Green Arrow all started with new number ones in that era. It was a huge, very important era in comic book history. When you look at it through the frame of the CW stuff, it's really interesting that they're going to do this storyline. And they explicitly say in the teaser, fall, which is not when they typically do their crossover series. So it, it could be a season long or half season long or multiple episode crossover series, uh, particularly of note and against spoilers if you have not read Crisis on Infinite Earths and you can be forgiven for that it's an old book but um it is a landmark series for a lot of reasons not the least of which is they killed off a lot a lot of characters and really streamlined their universe that way they got rid of some some of the complexities um and they re uh, some characters were sort of rebranded and reborn from that we, you know we we killed off some older characters and replaced them with you know younger newer models in the same costumes they're you know uh, 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 two of the characters that died, two probably of the most important characters that died in that series are Flash and Supergirl. Ooh. So now we're looking at uh, still a half season to go for all of those series, plus Legends of Tomorrow. Um And let us not forget that existing outside of this universe, multiverse, is uh, Black Lightning, which makes you wonder, uh, is the plan to do what DC Comics did 30 years ago and compact all of their multiverse into one universe so that Supergirl can live in her city that's in the same universe as Flash and Green Arrow and Black Lightning and the Legends and who knows else what else they might come up with next and it will all be within one nice tight continuity. Uh, And, you know, we're up to season seven on Arrow. Is it, is it time for the Arrow to die? Mm-hmm. So they aren't going to use the term Crisis on Infinite Earth lightly, I don't think. All the people who work on these shows are very respectful of the history of DC Comics. The Elseworlds story uh, was filled, filled with Easter eggs and carrots and all these little tasty morsels of fan service. God, it was a fan service buffet. Uh, there were so many great lines, little things, uh, things written on the walls. At one point, they go into a storage room and it's all filled with all these great dc artifacts if you're a fan of a uh, longtime fan of dc it was it was wonderful fan service they're not going to do crisis on infinite earths without going big and now i am dying of curiosity to know what that means not only for mm-hmm. next season but what it means for the rest of these seasons for these shows i mean what did you make of all this
0: yeah i think it was pretty spot on having just finished the last of the three episodes before recording this it hasn't really all settled in but um definitely aware of crisis on infinite earths and the outcome of that a lot of folks probably remember like you may not have known what it was but you probably have seen the great uh comic book cover um with superman and, and supergirl yep. and i think bringing something like that that's so iconic to the to the small screen that's not it's not avengers infinity war in the in the theaters you know this is like the most ambitious crossover for uh, a tv show probably um yeah and, and i do think that they definitely hinted where some of these things are going to go definitely as you pointed out the fact that this is coming out in fall of 2019 in of sort of being the the um nice change of pace for the winter break winter holiday sort of send off uh, I, I do wonder as well what will end up happening to these characters
2: yeah I, I, and again it makes sense you know they've been in this weird sort of uh quandary since supergirl started on cbs and then was rolled back into the cw universe when they decided to pick it up and carry it after uh cbs decided they didn't want to be in the superhero business so they've they've embraced the multiverse they've particularly flash flash um has really embraced the concept of the multiverse there's lots of different versions of their characters uh you know it will be interesting to see if the whole purpose of this is to clean things up for their fans because if you were a new fan coming on board you might be like oh my god who's that why is there another flash why is there another character wearing that costume what's going on here you could get lost a little bit so maybe it's time for them to streamline that um i also wonder you know obviously we got batwoman within this elseworlds crossover um you know there's no doubt that was a backdoor pilot. You know, hey, do you like what you see here? Write a letter. um You know, are we going to see her in Crisis and perhaps in her own series by next fall? um You know, they openly mentioned Batman for the first time in any of these series in this crossover. You know, is it time? And and Superman was featured very prominently. You know, is it time for the DC uh Comics CW universe to go big? You know, Justice League didn't work on t- on in the movies. It didn't. It just didn't work. Uh, you know, does. Doesn't seem like they're going in that direction. Amy Adams said just this week in an interview, she's as far as she's concerned, she's never playing Lois Lane again, and she thinks that they're going to do different things in the TV in the Marvel. Uh, sorry, DC t- uh, universe and films. Fine. So let's really embrace it. Let's do something huge. Let's bring all these characters onto the TV. And to be fair, they're kicking the doors in on Marvel on the television front. You know, this stuff is fantastic. Be ambitious. Go, go huge. I love Tyler Hoechlin as as Superman. I think. He you know cast me a new batman let's go let's let's do a full you know embrace of the top tier characters on cw you know i do respect to green arrow uh you know show me a batman series a real batman series on a week-to-week basis make him the best detective in the world put him on cw i'll be there every week and i guarantee you a lot of people will will be there too
1: Hmm, interesting all right, well let's move on to the main reason why we're here. <laughs> <laughs> Last but not least. Yes, let's let's have a brief conversation about Short Trek. Um yeah, so let's have a brief conversation about Short Trek. Uh Brightest Star, which starred um saru right um mm-hmm. what did you think what was the purpose of this episode
0: i think well, it was to, to give us a little bit more of insight of where saru comes from and it turns out he's actually fairly unique as far as his species goes in terms of i, I guess the setting for it to give like i forget do we do spoiler free recap of the short tricks? it's kind
1: of kind of um, hard because only like 15 minutes yeah yeah i think so i don't know we we i think we we kind of i don't think we really spoiled much of the last two or three that we did We got into Calypso a fair bit. I mean, I don't think
2: I think we pretty much laid it out. I don't think. Come on, it's a 15 minute episode. I don't think you can get around talking about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, like it was sort of a you know, I guess what do you call those plot exposition where they they um they give you some backstory on the character, right? Yeah. Um, you know, there was no surprise that he was going to be the picked up and taken off into the universe, but it is interesting that he came from or comes from a very primitive society where you know there's sort of religion and their mythos, you know, kind of rule their day. you know and he plays with the forbidden tech and and uh, uh somehow manages to to hack it into something that sends out a beacon right so what do did, what did you what did you think about that whole interplay between his father and his sister and himself and his society and
2: yeah i mean there was a, a not subtle uh religion versus science allegory in there obviously um yeah you know it, it, i mean again I, doug jones is fantastic um you know it, it's really interesting to get some more insight into that character who i think we all agree was one of the strengths of the the first season of Discovery. Um, to get a little insight into where he's from and his people and the way they exist. It's funny because they make a point in, especially as they wove through the different timelines to talk about Kelpians and they don't do them a lot of service in the first series of discovery. So I didn't know what to expect as far as what they were like. Um, You know, you get this sense of sort of um, subservience and uh, um, inferiority complex. I don't know how to, how quite to phrase that, Um, you know, they have this ritual that they show on and the short track of you know uh basically they gather a group of them and sacrifice them i guess is the best term um i don't know what you guys interpreted that as being i don't know if they were beamed up and taken like away as slaves or food right? or yeah yeah um by an alien race so they, it seems to me like they are basically you know subjugated right um and you know they he makes a point through the, the first season of discovery saying you know his people are you know uh you know, basically live in fear, constant fear, and, you know, their evolutionary imperative is different. And um, so it really was interesting to sort of show us against the contrast of his entire village, or I mean, really, we only interacted with a few people, his sister, his dad, um, and a few people just sort of milling about the village, but to show him being the outlier that his his path is highly uncommon for his people, and that his uh, curiosity overcomes his evolutionary imperative. Um, And again, we kind of had a taste of some of that from the first season, but the show not tell was, was, I think, really well done.
1: Yeah, there was a a parallel between that and, and, um, uh, what's her name, (laughs) the main character? Uh, Michael Burnham? Yeah, Michael Burnham, yeah. Between Michael Burnham and how she grew up in in a Vulcan society and goes off and and joins Star Trek. And I I find it a little disconnected that, you know, he could go from being like a very primitive, coming from a very primitive society and then rising up to like first officer on a starship, you know? Yeah. um, when you think about all the sort of backstory about you know going through the academy and all that kind of stuff and picking the best of the best kind of thing, but uh, so that that kind of required a little bit of suspension of disbelief. But the mind um, you, we're talking about a fict- fictional universe, right? Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean you know s- similar path as as Michael Burnham from from like you know this is not the way of our people and and into you know being picked up by Captain Georgiou and taken off and and under her wing as it were and and uh, you know brought into that universe, right? So
2: yeah. Yeah. And again, I think it's nice to sort of get a sense of, you know, uh, the dynamics to having a taste of his first interaction with that alien race being with uh, Giorgio, Um right. who, you know, sort of says to him, you know, you're special in this world, you know, if you want to live like this, you can live like this, or you can see the wider world. And he makes that choice um, to go with her. And so you see the bond between the two of them, and so you start to understand some of the dynamics of this. You know that Giorgio had a special relationship with Michael Burnham, um, and now you see see the, the sort of the connection being made there with, you know, uh, why he would have been so loyal and, and, you know, our first interaction with him in, in discovery is him on the bridge and he is, you know, the slightly sycophantic, um, officer supporting Georgia when Burnham, uh, turns on her. Right now we see the depth of that loyalty. He would have been obviously very, uh, faithful to her having been taken away from, you know, that, that existence, rescued,
1: basically. Rescued.
2: Yeah. Or, or even, yeah, just, you know, yeah. Lifted, up from that world, um, so again, it just adds some nice nuance. So it, it was, I think, it worked really well. And again, it adds, it just adds a nice layer of nuance to the, to the character of Saru, without again bashing our heads in about it.
0: Yeah, I think the one thing that sticks out to me is I wonder if they're setting this up for some sort of storyline in Discovery season two. Is in season one of Discovery, Saru talks about the fact that his people are prey, mm-hmm. and without any context around that, sort of interpreted as like on his planet, his people are the ones. To get chased and eaten, like by wolves or something, right? Um, this episode really makes it seem more like they are prey in the cattle sense or the livestock sense. Of it seems like the bar- Saruji, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the Kentucky Fried Calpian sort of thing, <laughs> um, where they they their religion is based around like, yeah, we have to sacrifice people to maintain the balance, and it seems like their planet is being treated as sort of a like a pen to keep livestock and cattle in. Yep, you know, you you protect the cattle from the wolves, but you also turn some of them to steaks and hamburgers, right? Mm. It it seems like like that level of of prey-ness. And Georgiou seems like when she got the, it seems like she fought personally for the idea of like, all right, they, they don't have a direct prime directive in this era of uh, Starfleet, but it does seem like they try not to interfere with pre warp societies. And this was a very sort of unique society in that it's it's never going to get to warp, right? Because they're 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 cattle and they're they're held back by the Ba'ul, mm-hmm. the mysterious Ba'ul. And it does make me wonder if that's going to play yeah. at all in season two as a like a go free the peoples sort of thing it, it
2: did have a little uh anakin goes back to free his mother kind of vibe to it sorry who goes back to what anakin the the whole anakin skywalker oh, goes yeah, back to yeah. Tatooine to free his mom kills all the uh you know right, sand people right. uh i had a, it had a bit of a vibe of uh you know you're telling us this so that you can set up the you know saru and his people kind of you know is he the
1: messiah go back and save the people from their subjugation mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well it was a short episode then again um you get no just a taste
0: happening. and the next one will star uh Rain Wilson as Harry Mudd reprising his role as Harry Mudd in the right, final
1: right. short trek prior to the season 2 premiere of Discovery which should be out next month this time roughly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all right so let's look at the watch list. What have we got on the watch list for you guys?
0: For me, I've got a YouTube series by uh, by Disney, specifically their Star Wars Kids channel. It's called the uh, Star Wars Galaxy of Adventures. It is small little animated shorts, uh, one to two minutes tops, that are sort of little bite-sized nuggets of uh, introducing the various characters of Star Wars. And of the ones that I've seen, they cover like Luke and Leia, Darth Vader, Han Solo... And it's kind of kind of an interesting animated setup where it's, it's very sort of highly stylized. Um, each sort of frame looks kind of like a postcard that you might get at a gift shop. And they are using clips, uh, audio clips from the various film and media to be the voices. Um, definitely intended for kids. It's like, all right, look, Darth Vader is bad. Luke is heroic. And, you know, Chewbacca is a good friend, that sort of thing. Um, so I wouldn't expect a ton of sophistication from it, but it's definitely fun to go back into that sort of... Um, childlike this is how you see star wars this is you know classic battle of good versus evil oh. and it's free on youtube so it's
1: definitely an right. easy one to get into how harmful how, how, how much yeah um i saw i think i saw something about that when the the some of the characters from disney came out like the the leia character and ashuka and stuff like that is that related to this maybe i
0: don't know uh you're you're talking about, uh the one where the they did figures, the right?
1: um those were
0: brand new segments uh animated in a style of uh like the animated Clone Wars, the 2D animated Clone Wars. This one, I don't know if they would do new content
1: or if it will all be, um, you know, based on clips from the movies. Right. I'll oh, so we'll have to take a look at it and see. Yep. All right. So what do you got, Jonathan?
2: Uh, I've got the Umbrella Academy. Uh, uh-huh. We saw our first trailer uh, last week in podcast time uh, for the Umbrella Academy, at, uh, a comic book series from Dark Horse Comics um, that has been brought uh to life for Netflix it is premiering in mid February um this is a uh a really really great comic book it is kind of a spin on the concept of uh the X-Men the idea of Xavier's school um a person teacher gathers together some children with exceptional abilities and uh, bands them together Forms a super team And goes off to fight evil But then we fast forward 20 plus years And uh, life has taken its toll On these characters And uh, we see sort of What the ramifications Of being that Sort of not You know It sort of takes the idea Of the child actor And moves it into Child superhero If you're You know The Teen Titans What happens to you When you're the adult Titans And um, mm-hmm. right. And it's a really Really excellent comic book I cannot recommend it enough um, Gerard Way uh, lead singer of uh, lead vocalist of My Chemical Romance. There you go. Oh, him, yeah. My okay. Chemical Romance. Uh, huge comic book fan. Very, very, very vocal. Um, he decided he wanted to do a book. He did this book as a six-issue miniseries. It really caught on like a house on fire. Um, it is fantastic, and it's really, really enjoyable. Um, it seemed a little dark and a little weird to be a television series when it was done 10, 12 years ago, um, but now that we've gotten into the content world, where everything Everybody wants to buy every property so that they can make something out of something that's a known property. Um, Of course, it was one that should be gobbled up and done. And I think if it's going to land somewhere, Netflix is a really cool place for it because they can obviously push some envelopes. I'm glad it's not a CW show or, uh, uh, you know, NBC or mainstream television or anything like that. Um, uh, In the show notes, we'll have the link to the trailer for it. It looks fantastic, really edgy, really weird. And uh, yeah, February, February 15th, can't wait. For that series to come,
1: cool. All right. Well, for me, I'm watching. rewatching Game of Thrones and re- getting ready for the, the I guess the last season coming out, season seven in a couple of months. I guess right. You're pacing um,
2: yourself. It's not coming until spring.
1: Yeah, that's what I mean. But but uh, yeah, I don't I don't binge. I mean, I binge watch some shows, but I'm, I'm trying not to binge watch this one. I watched uh, season one this this weekend. Speaking of not binging, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of. But it's interesting to sort of go back because I, I know all the, the the plot lines and plot points and stuff. At that, but I don't remember. Like it was watching it, like, through, as it was on, it would come on once a week for how many years, um, there was a lot of gaps between the episodes. So, but being, being able to sit down and watch them, you know, one after the other and sort of, you know, reacquainting myself with the story and, and, and seeing things in season one that I thought were like part of season two or season three, or like they, I thought they were more uh, further along in the stories. But, uh, um, you know, going through Joffrey again and, and Rob and mm-hmm. Rob Stark and all those kind of guys that we, we lost early on. But uh, and sort of seeing the machinations of what they do, and and sort of how the story all fits together, and, and going through Daenerys's you know, um you know marriage to her her uh, husband um, what was it called Drogo, Call Drogo yeah, and and how how short he was in in the actual mm-hmm. series you know kind of thing right so mm-hmm. um you know just it's and it's interesting the interesting thing it's kind of like I've never really sort of gone back and and like this is like going back and reading a really good book I, you know don't do that very often but mm-hmm. when you come back at it with a different sort of perspective and you know sort of the the end game in a sense um, sort of seeing how the pieces fit together you know g- going back through uh, Eddard Stark in his life and, and his discovery of you know the relationship between the twins and their their son and you yep. know who's the rightful heir and all that kind of stuff it's it's interesting to sort of put all those pieces back together knowing where we end up right yeah so I recommend it. it's good it's good uh, still a good TV show to watch sit back and watch uh, after after not seeing it for almost a year I guess right
2: yeah and I think you're on the you're on the leading edge of something i think a lot of us are intending to do is as we tee up towards the last uh, handful of episodes coming up next year Um, i I did the same thing before the last season um premiered i went back and watched the whole thing in order
1: oh yeah um
2: so i did had the same experience and you're right it's it's one of those series that um you know, obviously they didn't know every beat and where it was going to go, but when you start seeing the, the threads, weaving it all together, you realize how quite clever the filmmakers, uh, you know, when uh, Benioff and Weiss and, and the, the whole crew and cast, everybody working on it really, really, uh, smart, interesting decision making and filmmaking to, to put it all together like that's it's, it's, that's to
1: leave <laughs> foreshadowing pieces that come up, you know, three, four seasons later kind of thing. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I'm listening to an, uh, a great podcast right now. Um, Called binge mode, which is on the Ringer Podcast Network, where they are going back and um, doing chunks, chunk by chunk, all the Harry Potter books and movies. Oh yeah! And it's the same thing where you know they are discussing it uh, from a perspective of you better have read the entire thing and seen all the movies before you listen to the podcast because the idea is to talk about things that are happening in the first book that will pay off and how they'll pay off and everything else. And when you see how amazing a writer uh, J.K. Rowling is to have put all these different things in place so that they can pay off down the road and all these different ways that she sort of weaves these things together. And uh, again, it it makes you appreciate the excellence of creators like that and and the creators of Game of Thrones and some of these other series where you're like, wow, that's, that's some pretty heady stuff you know these people are working these are the the you know the michael jordans and the wayne gretzky's of of their game to really put together these these you know
1: stories these ways amazing pieces for sure for sure yeah all right okay well listen we're out of time so hey uh jonathan if people want to find you on the interwebs where would they look
2: they can look for me on
1: twitter and on instagram as at jbk news all right and me if people want to find you out there I'm on Twitter as at dev with a hair. All right, and I'm on Twitter as well as Timitra T I M M I T R A on the Twitter machine, and that's the best way to get a hold of me. So until next month when we have another, um, well, we have the Doctor Who Christmas special coming up, and we didn't really talk much about Doctor Who this time, but um, I will
0: kind of We'll have a, little chance little little chance a good conversation, up. yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> and I just
0: saw the last episode of this season, so I still kind of need to let it sink just in adjust. a little bit, as okay. a, especially right. as a okay. newbie to the franchise.
2: And if I can sure. put a little teaser out there. I'm going to suggest it might be time for the second annual Spockies. Spockies? The Ooh, Spockies. That's right. Yeah,
0: we, we do our uh, our I, best of the year.
2: I may or may but... not have already started working on the list.
1: So oh, there you go. The we may be ready to come
2: back in the not distant future and talk about the best of and what we're looking forward to in 2019.
1: Alrighty. Okay. Cool. All right. So I guess until next time, we'll see you in the future. Bye. 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 Bye.
0: That concludes another episode of SpotCast, streamed to you via subspace signal. I'm friend of the show, Greg Hio, joining you from Sector 001. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the SpotCast website at spotcast.com. You can get in touch with your Star Trek nerd hosts on the website or follow them on Twitter. They're at SpotCast. If you have feedback or questions, send them a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotCast. If you like the show, please consider recommending it to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount of gold press latinum at patreon.com slash spotcast. You can find details on how to help them out on the website, spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. Wishing you peace and long life.
1: Oh by the way, before we before we actually do go, mm-hmm. have you guys seen the trailer for the Superman is bad movie? Superman is Superman is Bad. No, I haven't. There was no? a trailer on the other day, I forgot what it's called, but it's it's mm. literally uh these this couple that can't have kids and this meteor lands in their yard and they're out on the farm and they 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 find this baby and they bring him into the house and they, you know, put his uh, his little spaceship in the barn and turns out he's a little Hellion. <laughs> right? So it's sort of like mm. Damien as Superman, right? interesting yeah I figure I forget what it's called um Begins with a B. but yeah it's, it's I watched it the other day and I'm like whoa this is really weird and it's it's like they totally stolen the Superman plot right and then <laughs> it turns out that it's like well, what if what if Superman was a horror movie
0: yeah yeah that's good
1: so yeah surprised you guys hadn't seen it' I'll, uh, yeah I'll
0: you'll have it. to throw a throw a link in the channel or something for us to yeah
1: I'll link I'll, I'll it in the show notes here when I find it for the, those listening and those who use what are we Transporting it transport home, at home. <laughs> yeah and uh, and we'll uh and I'll, I'll throw it in the in the I'll definitely let you guys know about it when I see it again but it was it was odd it's, i'm not gonna go see it because it's like a horror movie franchise type movie but yeah it was just an interesting interesting take on the superman story yep.
2: the other one uh we didn't talk about this week that i was uh up for i don't know if you guys have had a chance to watch but i watched uh fantastic
1: beasts part two last week oh yeah i was gonna, <laughs> well, I, I did, I was gonna mention that when we were talking earlier about um about uh you know dredging up old stories again so, mm-hmm. so you actually got to see that eh?
2: i did it, i um we are all harry potter fans here with the yeah. minor exception Foster is a casual fan the rest of us really enjoy it mm-hmm. um and so we watched uh re the first one and decided right. okay on, on a whim on a sunday evening we went and saw xavier and, and uh jerry and i went and saw uh
1: part two um i don't know if you guys have had a chance to see it but no, i haven't yet i got the poster though when i went to see uh first man
2: yeah how uh, may have you seen it yet i have not seen part two no it's um it, it's a bridge movie it's it's your standard like we knew that this was a five part series. The first one was an establishing piece. This one was a a lot about sort of laying the tracks. Um, So it's as a standalone film, it's not the best, but, um, but uh, yeah, if you guys get a chance to catch up with that one, it'd be good to sort of get into a little bit because there is some real um, universe building towards what's going on in the sort of whole Harry Potter universe. There is some stuff that has some interesting uh, ramifications for what we understand or know or think we know about the the uh, larger Harry Potter canon and universe. Um, it's definitely worth a watch. The performances make it worthwhile. Uh, Jude Law as young Dumbledore is awesome. Um, Johnny Depp, again, he's left a bit of a sour taste in my mouth, personally. He's he's starting to climb into that Tom Cruise list, um, but he also is quite magnetic as Grindelwald. Um, and it does sort of build to an interesting place that is, I'm sure, going to get spoiled for you before long if you're out in the blogospheres.
1: So, um, it's, it's worth a watch at some point. Cool. All right. I finally got around to seeing, um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory.
2: The, oh, the Johnny Depp one?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Very strange movie. I didn't watch the whole thing, but yeah, I mean, I showed both so of that- those
2: movies, both versions of the, the the Willy Wonka and that one to my children, and they actually prefer the uh, Johnny yeah, the Depp original one Yeah, no, they prefer the Johnny Depp one, and it breaks really? my wow. heart. It breaks my heart because I am the biggest Gene Wilder fan, uh, no. and that is just one of the great performances. Um, so that one, when they request, oh, we should watch that again. I'm like that, you know, the oh Gene Wilder, I'll no watch way. that any they're that- like, no, no, the Johnny. D- I'm like, oh, <laughs> killing me.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Anyway, gotta go. Kate. All right. Talk <laughs> to you so next I'll time. Talk you later. Yeah. Let's end this.